After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by, and by preserving, produce a crop. The other day, uh, actually a few weeks ago, Bex and I were driving in the car, and the radio was playing some old school 90s hits. You know, stuff like S Club, some Destiny's Child, some, I don't know, all sorts of crazy stuff. And Bex was loving it. This is Bex's jam. She was singing along, she was rocking out, she was loving it. Isn't it amazing how we can hear songs that we perhaps haven't heard in decades, and we still know every single word. We can still remember it, call it back, sing it out, um, just like Bex was doing. And then, actually, most of the other stuff we hear day to day, throughout the day, we actually just forget. You know, things that just come in one ear and out the other. Things can just pass us by without any sort of remembering or retaining or anything like that. I mean, how many of you guys have been, say, in a meeting uh, at work or a conversation with a friend, and you leave that conversation meeting, and you can't remember a thing that was said, a thing that you talked about, or perhaps you've been reading. You know, you read a paragraph, your mind switched off, and you go back again and again and again before you realize, I'm actually reading here, I need to retain it. We all do this, because there's a difference between hearing something and retaining it. There's a difference between just sort of hearing something or reading something and then holding it and letting it change you. As we just read, we're in the eighth chapter of Luke this week, and Jesus is telling us a parable about hearing. And he's asking the people, what are you listening to? This is a parable about how different people hear what Jesus has got to say, how different people hear the word of God, the Bible, and importantly, how different people respond to hearing it. Before Jesus tells the parable, Luke gives us a little introduction about those people who are hanging around with Jesus at this time. Look in verse 2. As we'd expect, the, the 12, Jesus' disciples were with him. There's also this group of women, a few 
of which he names by name. These are people who gave their lives to following Jesus after having radically radical encounters with Jesus and being changed. We see Mary had seven demons come out of her. Joanna had given up a life of ease and riches to follow Jesus. And then from verse 4, we see that as Jesus moved from town to town, more and more people began to gather around him. So we've got this motley crew of disciples. We've got the, the women who were following him and supporting him. And we've got these crowds from all the neighboring villages. And it's to these people that Jesus tells the parable. So as we saw when it was read, Jesus first told the parable to the crowd. And then later, he explained it to the parables. Uh, he explained the parable to his followers when they asked him about it. So this morning, we're going to look at the two together. We're going to look at the parable and the explanation at the same time as we go through. So we see from verse 5, the seed is the word of God. Jesus says, the farmer went out to sow his seed. And in verse 11, he explains the seed is the word of God. So instantly we see that this farmer scattering a seed is like Jesus going from town to town to town, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God in verse 1. The Father is God revealing himself in the world through the written word, the Bible. But this farmer scattering the seed is also you and me, sharing the gospel with our friends and family and reading the Bible with them. The chief farmer sowing the seed is God Almighty, as revealed in Jesus here. But he's also brought other farmers along underneath him, and that is you, and that is me. It's anyone who knows their hope, joy, and salvation in life and death is Jesus, and then faithfully shares this hope with those around him. And this seed goes all over the place. It's all over the shop. It goes on the path, the rocky ground, the thorns, everywhere. Good. And Jesus explains that these four different types of soil, these four different types of ground, are four different ways of hearing and responding to the word of God. And first up, we have the path. Jesus uses the analogy of the path to describe the first type of hearers. And he says that when they hear the word of God, the devil comes and takes it away from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Verse 12. So for these people, before the seed can even go into the ground, it's taken away. It's snatched away. Is that unfair? Do these people even stand a chance? You see, the first problem is not Satan coming and taking away the word. The first problem is that their hearts are too hard to accept it. A well-trodden path is like rock. I'm sure you've seen it. People have walked across grass in Birmingham, so much so that it's just got ground there. The grass doesn't stand a chance. It becomes hard. It becomes compacted. A hard heart, hearing the word of God, just recoils. It doesn't even listen. Perhaps a hard heart this morning is saying, I'll just sit through this until I can get to lunch. A hard heart treats the word of God lightly, uncaringly, ignoring it, or only paying attention to their favorite bits. And because the heart, this heart is hard, the word goes as quickly as it comes. You see, seed on a path can just get blown away. It doesn't even need birds. Without the seed, there is no growth. And without the word, there is no life. 
And Jesus says here that without it in their hearts, they may not believe and be saved. Paul also says something similar in Romans 10. He writes this. He says, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. And therefore, the devil will do everything he can to stop us from believing. As Jesus said in the parable, the devil will distract us. He'll, he'll make us not believe when we hear it. He'll make us forget. He'll make us pick and choose what applies to us and what doesn't. So the devil has got a role here. And although he is prowling to take away any seed that isn't received by the hearer, Jesus is not excusing people here. Jesus is not saying that this is the only, only the work of the devil and not also the hearer that is responsible for their response to the message. You see, by treating the word of God so lightly, they're actually cooperating with Satan, whose purpose is to prevent them from believing and being saved. Because as we see, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So if this is you, if this is you this morning, they need to pray to the God who changes hearts, the God who says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove from you the heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And this is a prayer the Lord loves to answer. And when you pray this, fill your day, fill your life with the word of God. Leave your phone on the side in the morning and go and sit down with your Bible and your gate church reading plan or whatever reading plan you have. Let God's word be the first thing on your mind and on your lips in the morning. And as you go throughout the day, think back on it. Think back on what you read. And if you're like me and you forget what you read, read it again. Read it wherever you are. When you're sitting on the toilet, don't scroll through Instagram. Read the passage you read this morning. And then let it be the last thing on your lips and your mind as you go down to sleep. And guys, as we read, let's pray. Let's pray that God will let it sink down deeply within you. Pray that you'll be changed by seeing his glory in his word. And as you read it time and time again throughout the day. Next up, we have the rocky ground. In verse 6, we read this. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Then Jesus explains it in verse 13. Those on rocky grounds are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but at a time of testing, they fall away. You see, the seed sprouted quickly because there was rock underneath it. It couldn't grow roots first. So it couldn't go down, so it could only go up. So it went up really quickly. And because it didn't have the firm foundation of roots, it ends up being a plant that's blown all over the place. Kind of like those blow-up tube men we see at petrol station. <laughs> I love these guys. Seeing them at petrol stations at car dealers is great fun. But seeing those people in life trying to follow Jesus, is devastating. See, what Jesus is describing here in the rocky ground is a temporary, merely intellectual, head knowledge sort of faith. There's no love, there's no passion. Or it could also be a really emotional faith, great highs and lows, but no knowledge or genuine, deep love for Jesus. Some may call it a culture, Christian. And this is not saving faith. For if plants have no root, they will bear no fruit, and they'll last only for a little while. A strong wind or a frost will see them off. 
Faith without roots will be shown to be no faith at all when a time of testing comes along. These people on the outside might look really good and solid, a great big Bible under their arm, an emotion, emotional response at the end of the surface, service. But realistically, the rocky ground people, it's just surface deep. There's no deep love for Jesus resting in his righteousness. No daily Bible reading, no pattern of prayer, no commitment to church community. Ultimately, no roots. When life does its thing and the fires of testing comes, we get ill, a loved one gets ill, we lose a job, relationships break down. Without roots, we'll fall away. Because there's no root in the unchanging, steady, ever-present rock that is Jesus. Pain and suffering are too real and too certain to be a balloon tube man Christian. <laughs> Followers of Jesus are rooted in Jesus. And that is why we do this every Sunday. As a church, we sing songs of praise together. We read the Bible together. We sit under its teaching. We are rooted and dependent on Jesus. We sing because we recognize Jesus to be the most holy and magnificent person who has ever walked the earth and worthy of all our praise and devotion. We read the Bible because we recognize it to be the word of God. And we know we need God to even take a breath, let alone stand before his holiness. We take communion because we recognize Jesus' sacrificial death, paying the price for our sin and giving us his righteousness. And we spend time together throughout the week to remind ourselves of this. We do these things, church, because we are dependent on Jesus. We do these things because we are rooted in Jesus, and it's that way around. We don't do all these things. We don't sing these songs. We don't hang out during the week just because it's what our friends do or because we've got nothing better to do. We do these things because we are rooted in Jesus. We recognize him to be our life source. Followers of Jesus need to have their roots in him, in their church community. There are no Christian mavericks. So, by being rooted in Jesus, when pain, sickness, and suffering come along, we're going to stand because the rock that is Jesus is our root. He is our anchor, firm and secure. We will not fall away like the seed on the rocky ground. The thorny ground. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Verse 7. And Jesus says this, it stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. The thorny ground has the volume of the world turned right up and the volume of the word turned right down. Despite hearing the word and growing a bit, they don't mature because these people are ultimately gods of their own lives. They don't retain or sit under the word. They do what they want. They buy what they want. They behave how they want. They don't care what the Bible says about it. So when life hits the fan and, and worries come, because they've made themselves God, they've got no one to turn to for help. I mean, if you're God, you've got, you're not going to look higher than you, are you? And because of this, life's worries are crushing. They're God. There's no one higher who can comfort them. So what do they do? 
they distract themselves from life's worries with more riches and pleasures. And so goes the vicious circle, leading them further and further away from God and his word. This is almost the opposite of the rocky soil. With the rocky soil, it was through testing that people fell away. Here it is through success and abundance that people fall away. And this is so relevant for us today, isn't it? Everything is designed to distract us and keep our attention. You know, game designers are hiring psychologists to make their games more addictive and grossing. So too with social media, actually. There's no end of shows and TV programs that we can spend our days and nights binging. And then when these distractions grow tiresome, that's when we can start numbing ourselves with pleasures that are more destructive. Things like sexual immorality and drink. Many of these things are God's gifts, God's good gifts to enjoy. Gaming, films, food, drink, sex, they're all God-given. But they're to be kept on a tight leash, enjoyed and celebrated for the glory of God at the right time and not in excess. Otherwise, as the parable says, they'll choke out God's word and we'll start becoming more influenced by them than we do by our Savior and God. So looking at this seed here in the thorny ground, the problem isn't that the seed didn't take in the soil. The problem isn't that the seed did, didn't start growing roots. The problem is that the, uh, there are other things in the soil creating issues for this small plant. And because the plant is not strong and mature enough, they choke it out. If this is you, if you need to stop life's worries, riches, and pleasures from choking out the word of God in your life, then you need to fix your eyes upon Jesus. You need to see Jesus in his word and pray and pray and pray that God will open your eyes to be captured by him. Let's do this now. Think back over the last couple of weeks as we've been going through Luke. Look in your Bibles back in chapter 7. We've got this woman, this sinful woman, that we only know through her sin. We only know through her sort of way of life prior to this. And as we heard last week, she, she's making a fool out of herself for Jesus. She's making a mess of his feet with her tears, and the whole crowd around her are judging her. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus loves her. Jesus loves her. He's so gentle with her, and he defends her and lifts the social standing so high by pronouncing that she is forgiven amongst all these onlookers. A bit further, we've got the poor widow, who again is so insignificant, we don't even know her name. Her only son has just died, which means just an avalanche of sorrow. But also, she's going to be poor for the rest of her sad years. And what does Jesus do to this poor, insignificant woman who we don't know the name of? What does the almighty God of heaven on earth do for this woman? He loves her. He loves her. He meets her here in her grief. And he brings her son back to life. And he brings her back to life too. I could keep going, but time isn't going to permit. But this is what we must do, church. We must look to, be, to Jesus and be so amazed and so satisfied in his love for these people that we're just seeing and as we read the Bible, and we need to be, know that it's true for us also. These words from Psalm 90 should be our prayer. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfading love, that we may sing for joy and be glad 
all our days. Oh Lord, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Let us pray that we would be so satisfied with Jesus' unfailing love that the riches and pleasures of the world cannot choke it out. And then we'll spend our mornings, our daytimes, afternoons and evenings looking at the love of Jesus. The good ground. Verse 8 says this, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And Jesus says this stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it by persevering produce a crop. Do you notice one of the key differences with the good soil? They hear the word and they retain the word. They hear the word and they cling to it. They hear the word and they recognize it to be the words of the God of life. And when they hear the word, they say, I need this. This is God's world, and I, I need to follow it. I need to keep hold of it in my heart. You see, the world are telling me these things will make me happy. The world is telling me these things will bring me peace. The world is telling me these things will distract me from the pain. I don't want any of them. I want to hear the words from God, the God who made me. I want to listen to the God who knows how I think. I want to cling to the words of God who knows my weaknesses and my strengths better than I know myself. I want to hear the word of God whose ways are higher than my ways. The good soil hears the word and it retains the word because they know that there is life and hope to be found there. But let's not be mistaken. Let's not mistake ourselves thinking that life is easy and happy in the good soil. That is not what this passage is saying at all. Jesus says that the good soil stands for those who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a good crop. So what do they persevere through? I think it's everything that was described earlier in this passage. The devil's schemes, the times of testing, life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Those who hear and retain the word of God are not exempt from these things. Times of testing, pain, and suffering will come to the follower of Jesus. The devil will do all he can to distract us, to make us forget, to draw us from God. Life's worries will come to the believer, and they will be tempted by the riches and pleasures of earth. All these things will happen. But what's going to be different? What is going to be different for these that will make them persevere? Jesus. Jesus. He will hold you fast. The difference is Jesus, because he who began a good work in you will carry on until completion the day of Christ Jesus. The difference that will make you persevere is Jesus, because he says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus makes us good soil. Turning the heart of rock, like the heart of a well-worn path, into a heart of flesh, like a rich good soil, it is 
the work of God. Becoming good soil is the work of God. But good soil requires maintenance and it requires work. Through autumn, Bex's parents and my parents came up and helped us a bit with our garden. We managed to clear one long flower, bag, flower bed. We digged it up. It was looking great. But we've done nothing to it. It's an absolute state now. And it was a complete waste of many, many hours. <laughs> Creating good soil is solely the work of God. But we have a part to play in maintaining it. Jesus makes us the good soil. Jesus keeps us good soil. But we also have a part to play. And this is where the question comes in. What are you listening to? Finally, you'll see in the middle there, verses 9 and 10. The disciples go to Jesus and they ask him to explain the parable to them. And Jesus says something quite odd. He says this, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Jesus is quoting a passage in the Old Testament where God sends Isaiah the prophet to warn his people that if they don't repent and turn away from their sinful ways and back to God, they'll be destroyed and sent into exile. The passage is saying that the people's hearts are already so hard against God, they're so concerned with their own way of living without giving any thought to God, that they're going to hear this warning and it'll actually cause them to harden their hearts even more. And don't we see that true in Jesus' day with the religious leaders and teachers of the law and their response to Jesus' message? Jesus is saying that he's speaking in parables because it draws some people in to know, to learn, to understand, to sit at Jesus' feet and ask him to uh, explain. But it also causes others to stay away. It causes others to not understand and not take care to understand because of their own hardness of heart. Our part to play in all of this, our role, is to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. We are to be like the disciples and come to Jesus and ask him to help us to understand to come to Jesus and ask him to help us to love, to pray, to worship and delight and to listen to him. We see this in Jesus' followers at the beginning of today's passage. Their lives were so changed by Jesus that they gave their, their time and their lives to following him around, to listening to him. They gave their money to support his work. They stuck around and asked for Jesus to help them understand their teaching. You see, Jesus' followers heard Jesus. They heard him proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And they saw what good news that was. And they said, I want to listen to that. I want to listen to that. And they made it their joy, their life's joy in doing so. What are you listening to? True pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life. We thank you that we find hope there. We thank you that we find peace there. I pray that you'll stir all of us this morning to sit at your feet and listen to you. 
to spend time in your word and delight in you there and turn the volume of the world down. Give us ears to hear, I pray, Lord Jesus, this morning. Amen.